I'll go over some of the rules in just a moment once we are sure that the live stream is working properly. Usually it just takes a moment for me to see if the live stream is working um, and then we will for sure get started. So I do want to say welcome to everyone who is in the chat. I want to say welcome to everyone who is here today. Um, I know that for you, you're taking time out of your busy day in order to just sort of hang out with me for a little bit and learn a little bit of English. So here's how this lesson works. This is a question and answer English lesson. If you have a question, either Todd or Dave will put a link in the chat. Please use that link to ask your question. In fact, I know that right now there are already two questions um, and we'll get to those in a moment. Um, the second thing I wanted to mention is that please use the chat for English conversations only. Um, please don't ask questions in the chat. I just want to say hi to Dave. I see Dave in the chat is working away already uh, and Todd is here as well. Um, please don't ask questions in the chat. Don't ask me questions in the chat. I will not have uh, time to read and answer those questions. It's important that you use the form uh, to ask your question so that I can answer them in a timely fashion. Um, that being said, thank you for being here. If you are new here, please hit the subscribe button uh, and thank you so much for joining us for a little bit on a Saturday morning. Uh, let me go to my question um, app and let me get the first question lined up and ready to go. This will just take me a moment. Uh, let's see here. Um, Sometimes when I click, things don't happen right away. Here is the first question from Valerie from Ukraine. Valerie says, hi, Bob. We have severe thunderstorms I have never seen here. What, what is the difference between think and consider, refer to something and relate to something? Thanks in advance. So the difference between, first of all, thunderstorms can either be fun or scary. Depends on your point of view. For me, if a thunderstorm is not destructive, if there are no high winds, I think sometimes it's beautiful to stand and watch from a safe place. Um, but sometimes thunderstorms can be crazy. Um, anyways, um, to think and consider. So I think that chocolate is yummy. I consider chocolate yummy. So in those two sentences, I use them in a very similar way. Um, but they can have slightly different meanings. So you could say something like, um, when it's loud, it's really hard to think. You couldn't use the word consider in that sentence. When it's loud, when my kids are loud, it's really hard for me to think. Um, but you should, you can use the word consider um, in terms of telling people what to think about. Like when you're buying a gift, you should consider the things the person likes. So there's a few example sentences for you, Valerie. I do want to say hi to Rod, VIP IDP in the chat. Hi, Rod. Hope you're doing well today. Um, let's move on to the next question. Uh, let's see here. Next question is from Noor. Noor says, hi, teacher Bob. If my son is upstairs and I want him to come down or go down, see, it depends on where you are, Noor. Should I say, come down here or get down here? And when he is on his way down, what should I say? So here's the scene. Your son is upstairs. You are downstairs. You could say to your son, come down here. Or if you wanted to be very, if you wanted to emphasize it, you could say, get down here. So sometimes when parents yell in English, they'll say, come down here, or they'll say, get down here. Um, and then when he, when he is on his way down, what should I say? I don't know. But sometimes when I tell my kids to come down from upstairs or to come over um, while they're on their way, I sometimes say, hurry up, because um, sometimes they go a little bit slowly. 
Uh, let me get to the next question here. Um, Merv says, what are the meanings, little correction here, Merv, what are the meanings of tooling around and try something out? Could you give me an example of both? So I do not use the, the phrase tooling around very much. It might be a British phrase, so I'm going to skip over that. Um, but when you try something out, um, it means it can mean that you use it a little bit before you buy it. So um, a good example would be a car. Sometimes you take a car on a test drive because you want to try it out. You want to kind of see what it feels like and see how it drives. Um, maybe your brother has some tools that you want to buy from him. And he says, hey, before you pay me, why don't you just borrow them and try them out? So when you try something out, um, it kind of means that you use something a little bit before you actually uh, purchase it or buy it. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see here. Taris from Ukraine. Hi, Taris. Hello, teacher Bob. Thanks for your work. Little correction there. I should do a video sometime on job versus work. Thank you for your work. I have just one question. What were the results? A little correction there. What were the results of the giveaway contest? Because I haven't watched your lessons for a while. So three people won. Uh, I have had four lessons with them so far. Every Friday, I meet with each of them. I meet with Rodrigo. Uh, Rod, VIP IDP, is in the chat. I meet with Natalia. Uh, and I meet with Rashka. So um, they have done four weeks now with times going quickly, uh, two more weeks and it will be over. That's kind of sad because they are very nice people. I am very much enjoying talking to them. So that is the update and the results from the giveaway. I might do another one next year. Let's wait and see though. Uh, let's see here. Uh, next question is from Johnny the Brazilian. Hi, Johnny. Uh, hi, Mr. Bob. How's it going? Could you give me example sentences of how to use these words, grief and sorrow? Are they similar? So when you, when someone you know dies, when someone you know passes away, um, you experience grief and you experience sorrow. They are very much the same thing. It's a deep, deep sadness that you feel uh, when someone you know dies. Okay. So uh, for instance, many, many years ago, my grandmother passed away. And after that, I experienced a lot of grief. We use the word grief more often than sorrow in my part of Canada. So I was, I had a lot of grief. You could say that I had a lot of sorrow, but it's not a word that we use as much, but they do mean the same thing. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Brent from American English with this guy. He's in the chat right now. Um, it was really fun this past week. Brent did a video on ice cream. I shared it on my community tab uh, and I got to be in it. I got to show Brent some of our Canadian ice cream, which made me eat ice cream later that day. Maybe I shouldn't have helped because I think maybe I put on a pound or two uh, after making that little clip for Brent. Anyways, hi Brent. Hope things are going well. Um, let's see here. Kizmo. Hi, teacher Bob. How are you? Do you believe in the, I'm adding a the, do you believe in the five second rule for food? So the five second rule is this. If you have a piece of food and you drop it on the floor, apparently if you pick it up before five seconds go by, um, then no bacteria will get on the food. Do I believe in it? No. Do I sometimes drop a piece of food on the kitchen floor and pick it up and eat it? Maybe. I'm not going to confess to that one, but I guess maybe I do believe in the five second rule. If you drop some food on, the, on a clean floor, not outside, and you pick it up quickly, I think it's safe to eat. But I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. What I believe when it comes to eating food may not be, I might not be the best person to get advice from. 
Uh, next question is from T. Hi, good evening, Bob. Oh, it's evening where you are. Very cool. Um, what is the difference between capable and ability things? So I am capable of making things out of wood. I am capable of driving a van. That simply means I'm able to do it. I am capable of doing that. Um, if I use the word ability, though, it simply shifts a little bit how we talk about it. I have the ability to build things out of wood and I have the ability to drive a van. So what you're looking at is one is describing me. I am capable. He is a capable person, an adjective. And the other one, I would say I have the ability. So now it is a noun. So I'm capable of building things out of wood. I actually am. In fact, this picnic table is getting old that I'm sitting on. I might build a new one uh, this summer. Maybe I'll do it in the winter. We'll see. Um, so hopefully that made some sense. Uh, let's see here. Next question is from Shala. Hi, teacher. Could you please tell me the meaning of these? Take it for granted and subtle. Thank you so much. You're the best. So when you're subtle, um, it means that you do it kind of quietly. Um, so let's say you ate some food and you had some food on your cheek. Like you, it was really messy food and you have some food on your face. Um, if I wasn't subtle, I would say, hey, you have food on your face. And that wouldn't be polite. Um, if I was subtle, though, I might look at you and just kind of go, just kind of point to my face a little bit. So when I'm subtle, it's when I don't draw attention to it. Um, and then when you take something for granted, um, it means you don't regularly thank or appreciate someone. Let's talk about the phrase in the case of a person. Let's say that you had a friend that always helped you on Saturdays with projects around the house and you never said thank you and you never bought them a gift, uh, you would say that you might be taking them for granted. You could also say you're taking advantage of them. That's a slightly different phrase. Um, but when you take someone for granted, it means you don't thank them very much. Uh, Madi in the chat says, teacher, it's such nice weather behind you. It is a nice day, Madi. It really is. There's a slight cool breeze, but it is warm. Um, but I am very much enjoying it. Um, and then Rod says, uh, oh, let me see. Was that Rod? No. Eugene says, uh, Eugene from Kharkov, uh, we call it the rule of five seconds. So interesting in different languages, slightly different rules. Um, Pasha from Russia. Hi, Bob, with best regards from Russia. Could you tell me, have you any close friends in real life, either your family and daily routines or, do okay, let me rephrase this. Could you tell me, do you have any close friends in real life or does your family and daily routine take all of your free time? So a little, few little corrections in there, Pasha, but great question. So I'll tell you one simple little story. I have three really good friends from high school and uh, those three people and me uh, hung out a lot when we were younger, when we started to get married, when we got married and started to have kids we started to hang out less. And eventually we used to go see a movie once or twice a year. And now we haven't even done that for two or three years. So I would say life has gotten rather busy. And I think mostly it's because life as a dad um, does take lots of time. So my hope is that eventually uh, I will be less busy and those friends and I can start to uh, hang out again. I do one of those friends and I talk quite often though on the phone. Uh, let's see here. Next question is from Alan Oliveira from Brazil. Hi, teacher Bob. You guys want to listen to the airplane? So here's what has changed in Canada. Buffalo, New York, 
the United States and the city of Buffalo, New York is that way. It is to the, it is to the, why can't I think of what direction it is? It's to the east of me and Toronto is to the northwest of me. And I think airplanes have started to fly again because we have seen jets going over for the last week. Um, anyways, Alan says, hi, teacher Bob. Good morning. What would be the best education system to implement in the world? Well, here's what I think. Education of boys and girls uh, for free in all countries up to the age of 18 has been proven to be one of the best and most effective ways to make life nicer for people. So again, um, the best education system for me would be a free education system for boys and girls from age five to age 18. It has been proven over and over again that when you have that available, it can really help countries become a lot more prosperous and it can really make people's lives better. So that would be the best education system. Definitely the free part um, and boys and girls for sure. Um, and then next to that would be free college and free university, but not every country has that. We do not have free college or free university here in Canada. You have to pay for it. Um, let's see here. Vida, hello. Could you explain the difference between to adjust and to conform? Have you ever participated in any volunteer program? So there is a place close to us that takes food and it dries the food. It takes leftover food, um, vegetables primarily, and it dries the food and that food is sent to other countries that need food, uh, especially when there are natural disasters. So I have worked there. Um, and the difference between to adjust and to conform, let me see. When there is a new law, I have to adjust to the new law. So right now, there's a new law that you have to wear a mask in my part of Ontario, Canada. So I need to adjust to that law by buying masks. I need to change my behavior. I need to make sure I take a mask when I go out in public. That is me. I'm learning to adjust to the new law. To conform to the new law simply means to obey it. That means that when I go into a store, I make sure my mask is on. So I guess to adjust to a new law is kind of to get ready for it and to be prepared to obey the law. And then when you conform to the new law, it means you actually do obey it. So slightly different meaning. I hope it made uh, some sense for you. Hey, I'm just going to pause for a minute and say, if you are not a subscriber, you should click this button right here. There's a button. My microphone's always in the way now. Um, if you are a member, thank you. If you are liking this video, click thumbs up. Uh, and if you have a question, please ask it using the form. Um, usually about 15 or 20 minutes into the live stream, uh, people do come and they start to ask questions in the chat. Please don't do that. Please use the form. It just works better for everybody. And that being said, let's get to the next question. Let's see here. Um, so next question is from Eugen from Kharkov. Hey, Bob. Sorry, my question might be a bit bad, but are there any problems in Canada like Black Lives Matter? maybe, or with LGBT? Thank you for the answer. So Canada is a country of equality, but we certainly have our flaws when it comes to treating people equally. So I would say that Canada and the United States both have problems when it comes to uh, treating people who are minorities with equal rights. So even though we are countries that profess that we have lots of freedoms, we have a lot of work to do, Eugen, in order to protect the rights of all people. That would be my bestest, my bestest, bestest is not a word. That is my best answer on that topic. And thank you for asking it. Uh, let's see here. 
Uh, Yasin Raman. He put his live on hold. What does that mean if one puts his live on hold? Thanks for taking your time. So if you know someone who does live lessons or live streams, if they put it on hold, it might mean they're simply taking a break. Or it might mean during the live lesson, they actually... <laughs> the microphone. The microphone just decided to uh, go down a little bit. Let me see if I can tighten this up. Which way is tighten? This way is tighten. There we go. There, now you learned the word Titan. So the microphone, I don't know if you saw that, moved by itself. It's like magic. <laughs> um, if you put something on hold, it means that you stop doing it for a bit. So let's say um, I decided to uh, put my, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like you can put a live stream on hold by simply putting a screen up that says be right back. But you can also take a break and call that putting something on hold. So, sorry, the, the microphone moving scared me a little bit. I wasn't sure what was happening. But um, I have some weights on the end and they're slowly moving this way. And then the microphone tilts. So, hopefully that doesn't happen again. Um, let's see. Next question. Lolly Lolly. Bonjour, Bob. Do one or more of your five children want to become a teacher on YouTube like their daddy? Personal question, maybe. Merci. Um, I don't know yet. Um, we will see in the future. None of my children have expressed interest in being YouTubers and none of my children have expressed interest in becoming a teacher. So we will have to wait and see. I'm not sure what the future will hold for them and for me. Um, but at some point I'm going to get old, I'm not old yet, and someone's going to have to take over this YouTube channel. Um, we'll see. Um, by the way, I am going to make videos and do live lessons for a very long time. So don't panic. Uh, let's see here. Next question is Daria. Hello, Mr. Robert. My question is, when will you be doing an awesome collaboration with Brent and Sean? So I changed a few words in there. When will you be doing an awesome collaboration with Brent and Sean? Or maybe it is in the past tense. Maybe when did you do? So Here's the deal. A week ago, Sean uh, from Free99 English came on my live stream and then I went on his live stream afterwards. That was the uh, lesson we did, I think, about groceries. I lose track of things. Uh, and then Brent was doing a really cool English lesson about ice cream and he asked if I would do a collaboration with him. Uh, and so I shot a short video and I sent it to him and he put that in his clip. So it was a mini collaboration, but it was lots of fun. So um, I'm always open to collaborations uh, when I have time. I tend to get really busy though, and then it's hard to find time to do them. But uh, certainly Sean and Brent are awesome. They are very often in the chat. Brent's here right now, American English with this guy. Um, and they are very helpful when they are here. So I do appreciate them. Uh, let's see here. Next question from Margarita. Hi, teacher Bob. Could you clarify the difference between expressions in any case, at any rate, and anyways? Thanks in advance. Best wishes from Ukraine. So these almost all mean the same thing in that they don't really mean a whole lot. They are introductory phrases that we use when we are saying something. So I could say, um, for instance, uh, in any case, I think it's important to eat every day. That's kind of a funny sentence. At any rate, it's really important to eat every day. Uh, and anyways, it's really important to eat every day. So they're kind of filler words, but they show up at the beginning of a sentence. Sometimes when you are ending a conversation, if someone says, you should wear masks, and I say, yes, you should wear masks, and someone says, no, masks don't work, I could sum it up by saying, in any case, we should do everything we can to help other people. Or at any rate, we should do everything we can to help other people. Or anyways, 
we should do anything we can to help other people. So um, yeah, kind of introductory phrases when you are speaking. Um, hey, we just hit 500 viewers or 497 now. Um, welcome everyone who's here. Thank you so much for joining this English lesson. This is live. I do see Oleg in the chat talking to Eugene, asking where in Kharkov do you locate? And you should actually say, where in Kharkov are you from? That would be a great way to ask it. Um, Madi says, teacher, you look younger than, than the actual truth or than the fact. Yes, I might very... Sometimes when I'm happy, I look younger, Madi. Um, but let's get to the next question because that's why we are here. Uh, let's see here. Lalit Pal, what does head down mean? It is used in a variety of situations because it has multiple meanings. The meaning I know the most is to keep your head down. Um, so let's say you're at work and your boss is in a bad mood that day. We would say, hey, just keep your head down. Just do your work and just keep your head down. We don't mean literally to walk around with your head down. But what it means is don't draw attention to yourself today. The boss is in a bad mood. Keep your head down. Um, there's another expression I'll tell you, and it's very Canadian. Um, and that's uh, keep your head up. So when you're playing hockey, if you have your head down looking at the puck, you usually get hit by somebody. Uh, you get checked. Anybody who's from a country where you play hockey, some of my Russian friends, um, we always say you got to skate with your head up. And we sometimes say that to people in life as well. Like, hey, don't skate with your head down. So if you skate with your head down, someone's going to someone's gonna body check you. So, um, but anyways, uh, that is the phrase I'm most familiar with. You know, um, just keep your head down today because uh, the boss is in a bad mood. Or maybe your wife or husband's in a bad mood. Maybe your father's in a bad mood. And you just like, just keep your head down. Uh, just act normal. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Next question. Mohammed says, what is the difference? I lived in Canada for three years. I have lived in Canada for three years. I have been living in Canada for three years. So the first one, when you say I lived in Canada for three years, you no longer live in Canada. Okay. So I lived in Quebec for a year, about 25, 30 years ago. I can't remember exactly when I lived in Quebec for one year. If I say, oh, I've lived in that country. I've lived in Canada for three years. That's a little bit of an awkward phrase. It's not incorrect. But it would be if someone says, oh, I lived in Canada when I was younger. You could say, oh, I've lived in Canada. I've lived in Canada for three years. Or actually, that sounds wrong. You would just say, I lived in Canada. So I take that back. Don't say, I have lived in Canada. Avoid the middle sentence. It has a bit of awkwardness to it, and I'm not sure why. And then if you say, I have been living in Canada for three years, it means you're still living in Canada. It means that three years ago, you started living in Canada. And now you are still living in Canada. So slightly different meanings. Avoid the middle sentence. It has a bit of, it's not incorrect, but it has a bit of an awkward sound when I say it out loud. Um, let's see here. Next question. Nathan GR. Hi, Nathan. Um, I want to say Athanasio, but I don't know if I'm saying it right. Hi, hi Nathan GR. Um, how are you today? We say I paused the video at 12 minutes and 30 seconds. I don't remember the preposition, thank you. So if I'm watching a video and I say, oh, I was watching the video and I paused it at 10 minutes. I paused it at 12 minutes. We would definitely use at for sure. I paused it at, and here, let me just say your sentence. I would say I paused it at 12 minutes and 30 seconds, or I paused it at the 12 minute and 30 second mark. That might be very Canadian to say it that way. Um, but definitely just saying I paused it at 12 minutes and 30 seconds is totally acceptable for sure. Let's see here. Um, 
Renata Kabata. Hello, Bob. Could you please explain the difference between wing and ward in an institution? My question is a tad weird. I know. Thank you, Bob. So when you're in a hospital, they might have a wing dedicated for people with cancer. Um, so that would mean that that wing of the hospital, that area of the hospital, the doctors, the nurses, the doctor's offices, everything in that area, we would refer to as the wing of the hospital. A ward, if they have a section of the hospital where the cancer patients are, that specific section we in Canada would call a ward. We would say it's the cancer ward. Okay. So they are almost interchangeable to some degree. You will not sound weird if you use one the wrong way, but my understanding would be the cancer wing would have doctors and scientists and patients and nurses, everything to do with cancer would be in that wing of the hospital, but the ward itself would be where um, the patients are who are being treated with cancer. Um, and it might be slightly different in different parts of the world. Um, let's see here. Mohammed Saeed. Hi, Mr. Bob. How are you? I'm good, Mohammed. Thank you for asking. How to prepare for TOEFL test, please. So I'm going to give you a better way to ask that. How should I prepare for the TOEFL test? Or could you please tell me how should I prepare for the TOEFL test? Um, and how to learn, not grab, how to learn vocabulary for that test. Thank you. Be safe. Um, so my biggest recommendation for people who are going to be taking a English test an English test, sorry, an English test. My English is pretty bad. You should, you should stop watching. I made a mistake. I'm just joking. Um, my biggest recommendation is that you go, if you can go on amazon.ca, if that's available in your country or another online store and find a test prep kit or a test prep package that you can buy. There are often people who have created a book or a series of worksheets and study materials that will help you prepare for that specific test. So that's the first thing I would do. Buy a test prep kit for the TOEFL test. The second thing I would do is I would hire someone on a website like Preply. There is a link below, by the way, to Preply. Hire a tutor, someone who specializes in helping people get ready for that test. Okay. Those two things would really help you a lot. They both cost money, but if you are going to take a language test, it is well worth the investment to spend some money to get ready for that test for sure. For sure. Um, next question, Luke. Hi, Bob. What's the difference between a subversion and a coup d'etat? So first of all, a coup d'etat is something French. No, um, it's definitely a French word that we've borrowed and do use in English. A coup d'etat is when you have a government figure who leads a country and somebody takes over forcibly. Okay, so maybe the military takes over and they kick the leader out or maybe they, something even more horrible happens. Subversion is when you uh, do something to make something not go well, but very quietly. So if you're subversive, if you do something that you would consider subversive, we would say it is subversion. So it would be something like, um, let me see here, like putting a small hole. Let's say you work for um, a boss that you don't like, and you have lots of boats, you work for a boat company. If you were doing to do something that we would call subversion, um, and you wanted the company to do badly, you would put little holes in the boat and no one would know where these little holes were coming from. So I think it's to secretly undermine the authority of someone. So let's see here. Um, hi, teacher, Bob, please pronounce really and rarely. They sound similar to me. 
So really, sorry, that's just an expression in English. Um, yes. Um, so I really like making YouTube videos. I really like doing these live streams. I really like taking naps. I really like pizza. So there was a whole bunch of examples of how to pronounce really. Um, I rarely go boating. I rarely um, go to restaurants right now. I rarely go because they're just starting to open again. So there's a few examples for you. Um, you'll have to excuse me here. I'm just going to scratch my head a little bit. I think some kind of bug landed on me from above. Um, I didn't realize this, but I, someone mentioned to me that some of you find it entertaining when things land on me because it just means I'm out in nature. Uh, next question, Rod, VIP IDP. Hello, Mr. Bob. What's the meaning of the word charter? Thank you so much. So two meanings come to mind initially, Rodrigo. Uh, the first is a charter can be a, a legal written agreement, usually something the government would create. So there's the charter of rights. So it's simply this, you know, um, legal list of the rights of all people. So you have a charter. So it's just a list of, of, of things that are being declared. The second use of it is the verb to charter. So you can charter a boat. When you go to Florida, when you go to someplace as a tourist and you want to go out and see the whales in the ocean, you can charter a boat. It simply means that you request and pay for the right for that boat to take you out onto the ocean. So you can charter a boat. Um, those are the two that I can think of. Um, there might be more meanings. Who knows? Uh, this is a good one. Uh, Sam and Flay says, could you please explain the term helicopter parenting? Thank you. So this is a relatively new term just in the last five or 10 years. A helicopter parent is a parent who is, let's say you have a teenager who is 17 years old uh, and they want a job. If they want a job, they could go and get a job by themselves. But if one of their parents goes and instead of the, the teenager going in and asking for a job, the parent goes in. And if the teenager does something wrong at work, the parent shows up to talk to the boss. And if the teenager who is maybe even 17 or 18, almost an adult, does something bad at school, the parent is always there. It's like the parent is hovering behind them. So a helicopter takes off and it can hover. So we use the term helicopter parent for a parent that is overly involved in their child's life, especially in their late teens. That would be a helicopter parent. Always asking the teacher questions, always emailing the teacher, etc., etc. Uh, next question um, is from Andre Padron, uh, sorry, I'm clicking too many things here. Um, clicking all the wrong things right now. Andre says, good morning, uh, teacher Bob. If I want to ask about the price of a book, how can I say it? How much for this book? It's the first one. I would say, how much is this book? How much for this book? How much does this book cost? Um, how much for this book? Yeah. Um, the second one, you could say, what is the price of this book? Maybe you have a little typo there. You probably meant that. What's the price of this book? That's correct, but it sounds really formal. I would just say, um, oh, excuse me, how much is this book? Um, hey, I'm interested in buying this, but how much is this? How much is this book? How much does this book cost? Those would be all of your uh, different ways of asking it. Folks, we are at the point in the live stream where I am going to turn the chat to members only. So a couple of things as I do that. First of all, thank you so much to all of you who are members. Um, 
I see in the chat someone saying you must be annoyed by helicopter parents. Um, a little bit, sometimes. Uh, no comment. That's something we say in English when we don't want to comment on something. Um, but anyways, we are in members only chat mode right now. Members who have supported me by clicking the join button below are free to ask questions in the chat. Um, and if you are wondering what members are, members are people who support me. Um, when you support me, you can participate in the members only part of the live stream. Uh, you get a few other perks like an extra video on Wednesdays um, and a few other little things here and there, complete transcripts of uh, the Tuesday video, um, a practice listening activity for the Tuesday video, bunch of stuff if you are a member. So thank you. And Toshi, welcome. Thank you so much for becoming a member. I am going to continue on with the normal questions as well. We have about a half an hour left, so you don't need to leave. Um, but I will answer questions straight from there. Samuel Chen, hi dear Bob. Could you share your opinion on bilingual education? Do you raise your kids bilingual? Thanks. So first of all, no, I do not speak French in the home. Our kids are not being raised bilingually. Uh, as bilingual, bilingually, I think that's a word. Don't use that in public until you look it up. <laughs> um, but we do have a lot of French immersion schools in Ontario and some parents choose to send their English speaking parents and they choose to send their English speaking children to a French immersion school. So those children speak English as a, in their home, as a family, they speak English, but during their six or seven hour school day, they speak French. So it's very popular here actually. Um, so my kids know, but many um, parents in Canada do do that. Um, Nate Indy, hi Nate Indy. Um, let's see here. Bob, how are you? When and how can we use the present subjunctive? So I'm going to skip any like extremely formal grammar questions uh, because generally without actually reviewing the rules, I, I usually say something wrong, Nate Indy. So save that question. Um, maybe find a video that explains it well. And maybe I'll do a video someday on that. But I usually skip grammar questions because I want this to be something where 99% of what I say is correct, if not everything. And when I try to teach grammar, we say off the cuff, I usually make mistakes. So sorry about that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Brent says, I love the member emojis. Thanks, Brent. Uh, let's see here. And then how can I use ing with nouns or substantives? Um, so ing, it's another grammar question. What I'll tell you th is this, is the present continuous as a verb form is very much used in English, okay? We rarely use the normal present tense. We usually, you know, if I have a sandwich, I don't say, I, right now I eat this sandwich. We don't say that. It's correct, but we say right now I am eating this sandwich. Right now I am doing a live stream. Right now I am watching um, the cat over there, hoping it doesn't come, but if it does come, people usually enjoy it. Uh, Brent says, we also have a French immersion school in my state. Very cool, Brent. Um, Sam says, hi, teacher Bob, if you had a time machine, what would you do with the time machine? You know, I'm always curious about unsolved mysteries or unsolved things in life, like uh, things that have happened in the past where they don't know how it happened. So I think I would want to travel back in time uh, just to see who committed what crimes that remain unsolved. That's definitely something I would do. Um, Let's see here. Brent says, great question. That was a great question. Um, and then Sam just says, yeah, gives a good laugh. Uh, Nate Indy says, Bob, sorry for this personal question, but where, what city do you live in? What city do you live in? Is it a good place to live? So I live outside of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Okay, I live out in the country. Um, Hamilton is a great city though. It has everything you could hope for in a city. 
um, and I love it. So uh, that's as much information as I'll give on that one. Madi, what is the difference between sort and kind? Which one should be used more? So this is um, this is a glass. It's a sort of glass. It's the kind of glass that has a lid. It's the sort of glass that has a lid. So they can be used interchangeably and we do use them interchangeably a lot. And we also say things like, you know, I was sort of happy the other day. I was kind of happy the other day. So not even using it to describe a thing, we use it to describe people. Um, I think we use the word kind more. Like if someone says, you know, oh, I ate some ice cream the other day, we would say, what kind of ice cream? We wouldn't say what sort of ice cream. Um, you could say it, but it, it just isn't common. You would definitely say, what kind of ice cream? So in Brent's video, I ate ice cream, and you could say, oh, what kind of ice cream did you eat? I'm not going to tell you. You have to go watch Brent's video to find out. Uh, let's see here. Um, Rod, Bob, how did I differentiate back to you and back at you? Thanks so much. Um, if I was talking to another person on this live stream, let's say like Sean was here uh, a week ago, I could say... Um, so Sean, tell us a little bit about what it's like in Eastern Canada. And then he could say, da 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 and he could say, back to you. Or he could say, um, yeah, if I made a little joke about him, he could make another joke and say, back at you. So back to you is used between reporters or people on television who are having a conversation. So back to you or back to Joe in the studio. You'll hear that a lot when reporters say that. But um, if someone said to me, um, hey, Bob, your hair's going gray. I could say, well, at least I'm not going bald. <laughs> back at you. So basically, I'm commenting. I'm making a joke back. That's not a nice joke, though. I'm not going bald, I don't think. But it wouldn't be fun to make fun of people who are going bald. Um, let's see here. Um, thanks, Bob, from Nate Indy. No problem. Gleb says, hello, Teacher Bob. How are you? There are two sentences. I had my eyes opened and I opened my eyes. Are these... Do these sentences have the same or different meaning? They have different meanings. So if you thought someone was not doing a good job at work and then you followed them for a day and you realized they're actually really working really hard, you would then say, I had my eyes opened. So when you have your eyes open, it means you realize something. But if you say, I opened my eyes, it simply means that it physically means they were closed and I opened my eyes. You could say... I didn't know a lot about what Joe was doing at work. And so I opened my eyes and followed him around for a day, but that would be less common, but certainly they mean different things. Um, let's see here. Um, Brent, have you seen the new unsolved mystery show on Netflix? It's very good. Almost like the old series. No, I have not. I should watch it. I, I am somewhat fascinated by unsolved mysteries. Um, let's see here. Hamilton is a big city. Yeah, it's fairly big. It's known for its steel production. There are a lot of steel mills in Hamilton. Um, Luciano, thanks for all your videos. No problem. Toshi, when you ask anybody for the best timing to take an action, for example. So I didn't quite understand that, Toshi. Let me read it again. Um, let's see here. When you ask, yeah, so I'm not quite, sorry, I'm not quite understanding the question, Toshi. Um, Madi says, thank you. So, um, I feel bad though. Toshi, um, how far beforehand or how long before shall I, for you, for example? Yeah, I would say if somebody says, hey, let's go on a trip. Let's leave Tuesday. You could say, um, how 
early should I come before we leave? Or how much time should I give myself beforehand before we leave? Yeah, that's a tricky one. So I hope I'm, I'm hope I'm making some sense. Um, Kirill Balav, hello, teacher Bob. Thank you for your amazing videos. What's the difference between persistent, indomitable, and stubborn? Greetings from Russia. So when you're persistent, it means that like my kids, when they want a cookie, they are persistent. They ask over and over again if they can have a cookie until I say yes. So they are persistent. So when you are persistent, it means you ask a question many, many times. Um, if you are indomitable, it just means you're very, very strong. Um, so very different meaning. Um, and if you're stubborn, it means you only do what you want to do. And when other people tell you what to do, you don't do it if you don't want to. So you have this strength of character where you don't do something. Uh, let's see here. Hamilton used to have an NHL team, the Tigers. I thought they were going to get another one a couple of years ago. Yeah, Hamilton really, really, really would like an NHL team, a National Hockey League team, but they never get one. Gleb says, thank you, no problem. Uh, Mahdi says, Lolly, stop annoying the chat. <laughs> uh, Lolly's just having fun with the emojis. Uh, and then Josh Young here says, I made a question with a form, but I'm afraid that I did it correctly and it's working. Um, we'll see if maybe I'll get to it later. Maybe it's really far down the list. Um, and then Toshi says to visit. Toshi, here's a great thing to do in the comments below. Um, ask your question and try to explain it really clearly. And I'll try to answer that comment later today. That's no problem. Um, Wally says, okay, Madi. Uh, let's see here. Um, and then Dave's just kind of uh, helping out uh, Jess, you're there. Thank you very much. Or Jess Young. Thank you. Jai Young, her. Sultan, hi, Bob. Can you explain what is the difference between fundamental and radical? So that's a tricky one. Um, fundamental simply means the basics. Okay. So if you are um, fundamentally hardworking, that means that at your core, you are very hardworking. Okay. When someone is, when you use the word radical, it means that someone's a little more extreme. Okay. So fundamental and radical usually are very different words, unless you're talking about one particular subject that I can't mention because the video will get demonetized. So um, hopefully you can find that information somewhere, uh, Sultan, at some point. Toshi says, how hot is Hamilton normally this time of year? So Hamilton has the same weather as us usually, but sometimes it rains in Hamilton and it doesn't rain here. We're far enough apart. But today I think it will be 33 degrees Celsius, Toshi. Uh, and I think tomorrow it's going to be 35 degrees Celsius. Just my, I just saw my microphone move a little bit again. The sound's really good today, though, I think. I tested it a lot, so I hope it's working well. Um, so hot for us, maybe not so hot for people who live in hotter countries. Gleb, I asked a question in the form too. It is the same. Don't read. Okay, so Gleb, you want me to skip your question? I'll, if it's a good one, I might still look at it. We'll see. Uh, and then Jiayung Her. Oh, yes, thanks for the reply. No problem. Uh, lolly lolly Madi, can I annoy you instead? I'm glad you guys like each other and are having fun. By the way, we use the phrase you guys in English informally to refer to men and women, guys and girls. Okay. Um, so um, just so you know, Ario, how to use the word habitual. Thank you. So let's say someone lies a lot. You would say they're a, habit they're a habitual liar. It's a hard word to say, isn't it? So um, yeah, so Joe told me that he's going to Disneyland and it's like, don't believe Joe. He's a, he's a habitual liar. I don't think an habitual, a habitual liar and habitual liar. I don't actually know if we use a or an, this is the first time in my life. He's an, a, he's an, a, 
he's an habitual he's a habitual liar i think it's a habitual um someone can be a habitual smoker as well for sure um let's see here um Toshi says, it is the same here in Kyoto, rainy season this time of year. So rain, yes, we have been getting some nice rain. That is why it's so nice and green behind me. Uh, Brent says the sound or the stream sounds great. Thanks, Brent, for uh, responding to that. And then Rodrigo says uh, to Brent, I don't know if you like these kinds of shows, but I really enjoyed Manifest and the British Peaky Blinders. Yeah, I Brent and Rodrigo, I watched the first couple episodes of Peaky Blinders, I think. I'm trying to remember. Takes place a long time ago in England. Yeah, I think I did pretty good. Um, Let me get to the next question here. Uh, Natalia, how to respond politely to a rude gesture? For example, if someone pushes you, if someone pushes, uh, is it okay to say, look where you are going? It depends where you are. Um, I think that if you are in a big city and you are in the subway and you get pushed a little bit, that's just normal. I don't think I would say anything. If I, as a teacher, was walking down the hallway and a student pushed me, I would say, hey, look where you're going. Or, hey, watch out. Or, hey, that's not a pro... I don't know what I would say. I've never been pushed by a student. But I might say, hey, look where you're going. Or I might say, hey, slow down a little bit. So it does really depend. To say it to a stranger, I don't think I would say it to a stranger. um, Because they might get really annoyed with you. I don't know. It's a tricky one. Generally, if I get pushed a little bit in the subway, sometimes I give someone a dirty look. I went over that phrase on my other channel uh, last week, I think. Uh, Let's see here. Samuel Chen, wow, temperature in summer is quite high in your area compared with the cold winter. Very distinct four seasons. Yes. So people have asked me before, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? If I couldn't live in Canada... And my response is always, I would want to live somewhere where they have four distinct seasons. I really like spring, hot summer, cool fall, and winter. So anywhere in the world with a similar climate and similar weather would be good for me. Uh, Madi says, okay, but I think the teacher will block us. I I won't block you. Well, depends how out of hand things get, Madi. Um, And then let me get to the next question here. Um... Okay, I'm going to skip Glebs. I see your question now, Glebs, so I'm going to skip that. It is the same question that we had earlier. Uh, Let's see here. And then Irina. Hi, Bob. What? So I'm going to fix the question, Irina. What does this line from the song mean? You don't got to celebrate it. Thank you. So let's say something bad happened to you and your friend is like, woohoo, that's awesome. You could say you don't got to celebrate it. A great example would be, let's say um, two people are dating and they break up and your friend is sad because she broke up with her boyfriend. Um, maybe you didn't like the boyfriend. You could just say, "Ooh, that's awesome because now we can hang out more. Your friend might say, hey, you don't got to celebrate it. I'm actually feeling sad about this right now. So that would be an example of when you could use that line. Um, let me see here. Uh, next question is a pronunciation question from Uliam. Firstly, thank you for the lessons. You're very welcome. I do, I do really, really enjoy making them. Um, it's been three and a half years and I still really enjoy making them. So let's hope that continues. They are phenomenal. I love that word. They are phenomenal. That means that 
Uh, Uliam thinks my lessons are amazing, awesome, etc., etc. Phenomenal. Great word. Could you give any tips how to pronounce fill and feel? So when your car needs gas, you need to fill your car. Uh, when you are sick, you feel bad. Okay, you don't feel well. So just a slight difference. Okay, um, when a pail is empty, you fill the pail with water. When you don't feel very good, um, well, then you use the word feels. <laughs> I think I just used it to define itself. Uh, let me get to the next question, folks. Um, next question is from Chico. What is the difference? Can't take something and can't stand something. Um, yeah, so they are the same. Like if I say, well, it depends. I can't stand ice cream with raisins in it. And I can't take bad behavior from students. I just can't take it. I, I, yeah, so they're slightly different. I've just used one to refer to a thing. You know, I can't stand ice cream with raisins. They make one kind of ice cream and it has raisins in it. I don't like it. So I can't stand it. Um, and then when someone is behaving badly, you, I would say you would say, I can't take it anymore. So there's two different examples. Uh, shift something and move something. If you have something in your house and you move it a little bit, like let's say there's a, um, a dresser or a couch or a piece of furniture, you might shift it to the left or shift it to the right. I could shift my camera. I'm not going to, but I could shift it. So a slight movement of something would be a shift. Uh, and then move in general is just to move it. Like I can, I can move this glass over here. I can move this glass over here. So shift is just a very small movement, I would say. Um, folks, let me go just for one moment and give me a sec here. I'm going to go and turn members only chat off. Uh, thank you again to everyone who is a member of my channel. I do really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Um, you guys helped me with this microphone and this light and this camera, and it helped me uh, figure out how to put questions on the screen and everything that you do as members helps make the lessons better for everybody. So big thank you to people who are members, people who have clicked that join button. Let's get to the next question though. Next question is from Ilian Santos. Hi, Bob. Hope you are doing well. I am. Could you please tell me in the, if this sentence is correct? She would have applied for the job if she lived anywhere near Paris. It is correct, except anywhere has a few more letters in it. <laughs> A-N-Y-W-H-E-R-E. -E. So let me read this sentence again. It is correct, except for a small misspelling. She would have applied for the job if she lived anywhere near Paris. So that is a great sentence. So using the conditional, someone was interested in a job. Thank you uh, to whoever just became a member. Uh, that's awesome of you. Unfortunately, I'm not sure what your name is. If you want to tell me um, how to pronounce your name in the chat, that would be awesome. But thank you for becoming a member. So again, great sentence. Um, so someone is thinking about a job, but they only would uh, apply for it if they were close to that city. So that you would say she would have applied for the job if she lived anywhere near Paris. To flip it to the first person, I would have applied for the job if I had lived anywhere near Paris or if I lived near Paris. Yeah, you can do both. Um, so let me give you this. She would have applied for the job if she had lived anywhere near Paris is also correct, okay? The first version, the version you're giving might be considered a little bit informal, but it is something you will, all, you will regularly hear in English. Uh, let's see here. Uh, next question from James Moon from South Korea. Hi, James. Hello, Bob. Do you have any plans? I'm going to add an S there. Do you have any plans to make a video with your kids? 
If they don't mind it, please show us between a father and kids. Oh, please show us a conversation between a father and his kids. Thank you. So a few corrections there. Hopefully you guys heard that. Um, I'm just letting my kids decide when and if they want to be in videos. And currently they don't. So that's fine with me. Um, and plus, I think it really is their choice. So I know that that would make a really good lesson. I'll see if I can think, uh, James, I'll think if I, I'll see if I can think of a very creative way uh, to do that at some point, because uh, maybe I can do it without them being on screen somehow. Uh, next question from Amitab. Amitab. Hi, Teacher Bob. Could you please explain the difference between borrow and lend? So let's say you don't have a car and your brother has a car. You could borrow the car from your brother. Okay. So let's get this straight. Your brother owns a car. You don't have a car and you need to go somewhere. You could say to your brother, can I borrow your car? And then your brother could say, sure, you can borrow my car. Later that day, your brother is talking to your mom and your brother says, oh, I lent my car. Sorry, I'm using past tense there. But uh, he could say, oh, sometimes I lend my car to my brother. So the person who doesn't have something is the borrower. So I'm going to borrow some tools from my brother. My brother who has the tools could then lend me the tools. So it's simply the two parts of it. The borrower borrows and doesn't have what they need. The lender lends and they have stuff to give away. Hey, I do want to say hi to all 588 people watching and uh, just remind people that there's a little red subscribe button here usually. You, you can click that if you want uh, and you will get notifications when I put out a new video from time to time. Uh, let's see here. Uh, next question is a grammar question, so I'm going to skip it. If you're wondering why I skip grammar questions, they are very hard to answer without preparing well, okay? So a pronunciation question is very easy for me. A grammar question, you're better off watching a video on that specific uh, topic. Uh, and then just general questions are a lot easier to answer. So sorry, I do skip grammar questions sometimes. Jade, hi, Teacher Bob. A very simple question. Simple, not simply. A very simple question. What does it mean, folks? So folks is a generic term for referring to a group of people. Generally, the word folks is used by people around my age. So I might say to my students, okay, folks, open your textbooks to page 20. Okay, folks, we are going to watch a movie today. Yay, the whole class cheers. So when I refer to my students, I sometimes call them folks. Um, younger people don't use the word folks. Um, people my age use it. There's another meaning, though, for folks. Um, so we sometimes visit Jen's folks. That means we sometimes visit Jen's parents. So you can use the word folks to refer to someone's parents. I'm not sure if every part of the English speaking world does that. Brent, maybe you could let us know in the chat. Do you refer to your parents as your folks? Because that's what I would say. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stop in at my folks place today um, and I'm going to say hi to my mom. So that's something that we do say in English for the word folks. But it is kind of a funny word. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever heard my kids use the word folks. So like, OK, folks, you'll hear me say it in the videos. I'll say, OK, folks, we got five minutes left. And that means I'm referring to all of you. Uh, let's see here. So Ruslan, good day, Teacher Bob. 
No questions this time. There's an extra W in there. I'm just going to ignore it. No questions this time. I just want to thank you for the great lessons. Watching them always brings the best mood. You're a very kind person. Thanks, Russell. And I'm glad I can um, cheer you up a bit. And it does cheer me up to see so many people here watching as well. So thank you for being here. Um, let's see here. Uh, Haley says, next question from Haley. Hi, Bob. I'm a little bit confused. Which sentence is correct? If I would be tan, I would look like this. Or if I was tan, I would look like this. The second one is correct. If I was tan, I would look like this. So um, at the end of the summer, because I have fair skin, I generally start to get a little darker and I have a tan at the end of the summer. If it was winter and I had a picture of myself from the summer, I could say, um, oh, if I was tan, I would look like this. And then I could show you the picture of me in the summer. You can probably see that I've spent some time in the sun. You can definitely tell when I do this because I have tan lines. So you can see that this is darker than here. Uh, and then I certainly have them. Uh, it's hard to see. I was going to show you that I have a redneck right now. But yes, definitely. That's how you would talk about being tan. Uh, let's see here. Ooh, this is a tricky one. Singe from Copenhagen. Hello, Bob. What would you tell me if this sentence is clear? This message. Yes, but you used the word method twice. So let me read it. This method requires that relevant data should be available to carry out your analysis using this method. Here's what I would say. To carry out your analysis using this method, relevant data should be available. That would be a great way to say it. To carry out your analysis using this method, relevant data should be available. Um, that's tricky. Are you writing a scientific paper or something? Uh, I wonder. Singe. Uh, let's see here. Katerina. Hello, Bob. What are the main superstitions in Canada? Um, I think we don't take superstitious superstitions too seriously. Um, but certainly some people don't like the number 13. Um, let's see here. In professional sports, sometimes uh, a professional athlete will do the same routine before every game. They'll eat the same meal. They'll sleep in the same spot. Um, even when a batter in a major league baseball game goes up to bat, sometimes they'll they'll tap the bat against one shoe three times, and then they'll go. They'll do the same routine. That would be a superstition. I've seen a number of professional athletes who do that. Um, and then knock on wood. Sometimes when we say, "Oh, I hope I win the lottery," knock on wood. When we say something that we want to be true, um, we might say knock on wood, and then actually knock on wood. And I've did that phrase in another lesson and many people around the world said they have very similar phrases to that. Let's see here. Guns, another way to say muscles. <laughs> sun's out, guns out. So I'm. this is going to make you laugh, but the phrase sun's out, guns out refers to, so we sometimes refer to when you pose with your arm like this, these are your guns. We call, if you have muscles that are visible, we call them guns. So Brent's joking about uh, sometimes in North America, um, guys particularly young guys will be like sun's out guns out which means they're wearing short sleeve shirts or you can see the muscles in their arms so yes brent that was that made me laugh to see that in the chat sun's out guns out um let's see oh did i just get demonetized brent probably we'll see how that goes bernadette from belgium uh says hello bob what is the difference between a seller and a salesman thank you for your answer so uh 
So a seller is anyone who is selling something. If I buy a car, I could say, well, the seller wants $10,000. It could just be my neighbor. He's the person who is selling that. Um, a salesman, though, is a person who is paid to sell something. So when I go to the car dealership, I will probably talk to a salesperson. Um, we don't use the word salesman as much anymore because we want our terms to be gender neutral. So instead of salesman or saleswoman, we generally say salesperson. My cousin actually is a salesperson at a car dealership. Um, so a seller is just anyone who sells something. Um, so a salesman can also be a seller, but a seller, let me see, just ignore what I just said. Yeah, they're very similar. I would say that seller is a very general term. So a person who is selling something, we would call them a seller. Uh, let's do one more question. English Arts Academy. Hi, English Arts Academy. Karis, I believe, correct? Uh, have you ever been to the UK? If not, would you like to? Yes, I would love to go to the UK, although it's not number one on my list. Um, as many of you know, the number one place on my list is France because I have been studying French forever. I have been to the province of Quebec many times, um, but I have not been to France except I was at the airport once on a flight landed and then I waited in the airport. I did go outside the airport and looked around uh, and then I flew on to South Africa. So that's the only time I've been there. Anyways, uh, I believe your name is Karis though, English Arts Academy. I remember you sent me an email a week or two ago. So good to see you here as well. Um, that's it folks. This is the end of the lesson. Uh, let me just do one thing here. Um, I just want to clear the question for a sec and I'll put up this on the screen. There we go. Anyways, thanks to Dave and Todd for helping moderate the chat. Thank you to everyone who has ever subscribed to this channel because this past week I hit 500,000 subscribers and I am blown away by that. I am very humbled by that. I still today cannot believe that I have half a million subscribers who that's a lot of people who click the red button because they like the videos I was making. So thank you very, very much. Uh, if you are a subscriber to this channel, Thank you. If you're not, you can click that button. The more, the more, the merrier. There's a great English phrase. Uh, the more, the merrier is something you say when there's a lot of people doing something. And if more people want to do it, that's fine. Sometimes when you are having a conversation and someone says, hey, could I join in and ask a few questions? You could say, oh, the more, the merrier. So anyways, if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. Uh, I want to say thanks to Brent from American English with this guy for being in the chat. And he kind of helps out with a few questions here and there, and he makes it more enjoyable for those of you that are here. Uh, and then again, thanks. Uh, I think I thank my members a lot, but I'll thank them again. Thank you for supporting me. Uh, and I think last of all, just have a good weekend, everybody. It's for me a Saturday morning. It's a really nice day. Uh, I do have some work to do on the farm, but I'm going to enjoy the rest of my day as much as I can. Anyways, thanks for being here. I'm going to click the button that ends the stream. Uh, oh, one last thing. If there were parts of this lesson you didn't understand, there will be English subtitles later. Um, they're automatically generated, so they're not perfect. But let's say I answered a question and you didn't quite understand me, come back and watch it later. Watch that little segment um, and then just see if it helps you learn a bit more. Anyways, thanks for watching. Have a good day. I am really clicking the button now, for real. I'm actually clicking it right now. I'm gonna click it now. You'll hear the click sound. Are you ready? Wait, can I do it like this? Just a sec. Okay. Hi, Bob the Canadian here. Thank you for listening to this English podcast lesson. If you would like to support me, 
in the work that I do as an online English teacher, please visit patreon.com slash bobthecanadian.